Hello and good evening, family. Come converse with your girl, Lady T. Marie. Hope everybody had a wonderful day. So I'm getting ready to talk about this story that I've been wanting to cover for a while. I know I'm a little bit late and sorry. <laughs> I'll do better in the future. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So this story is about an HIV positive Nashville softball softball player named Danny C. Perry, who was jailed for six years for having sex with dozens of women without telling them he was infected. Police appeal for more victims to come forward. Okay, so let's go ahead and listen to a very quick news clip about the story, and then I'll get into some more details, okay? Tonight, a Nashville woman is being credited with helping bring down a man accused of exposing multiple women to HIV. It is a crime, a felony actually, to be intimate with someone without disclosing a positive HIV status. Danny Perry II was in court last month where he pleaded guilty to exposing a woman to HIV, a woman he played softball with for a Nashville rec league. A different woman took the stand during his court appearance. Marvelyn Brown says Perry exposed her to the potentially life-threatening virus 17 years ago, when she was just 19 years old. I was 19 years old. He was 23. He had his own place, his own car. He looked good. My friends would meet him, and they would say, you know, I really hope to find a, a man like yours one day. I was like, great, I'll leave them high school boys alone and get you, you know, like a real man. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, he was it. I remember one night, we was about to have sex, and we are kissing, and things were getting hot and heavy, and then he stops. And he says, baby, I just want you to know that, you know, I don't have a condom. And if you want to move forward, you know, I have no problem moving forward. He was it. This is my Prince Charming. So we proceeded to have sex that night without a condom. I grew up on all the Disney princess movies, and I always waited for my Prince Charming. And that's who he was to me. I mean, I'm thinking that, that those movies were so misleading. Which prince had HIV? <laughs> and people oftentimes ask me, did he know he had HIV when you all had unprotected sex? And this is where my message of be responsible comes in. Because I look at it like this. What if he had HIV and he didn't know because he'd never been tested like so many people living with HIV? I would still have HIV. All right. Welcome back. So that was a little bit more information about what happened. And now... We're going to get into the story of the lady who actually testified, which was uh, his softball colleague. So a woman in a softball in a softball league pressed charges against Perry after she contracted HIV. And when she confronted him, he acted surprised and said he had nothing troubling his medical troubling in his medical history. Prosecutors and Perry was prosecutors said Perry was married when he infected his softball league friend and it didn't and he didn't use a condom when having sex with the victim. The friend who asked not to be identified in court documents said Perry never told her he had HIV. In September 2016, she called Perry to let him know she tested positive for HIV and he acted surprised and concerned. In between multiple HIV tests, she asked Perry if there was anything he should tell her regarding his medical history, and he texts back, no. However, an investigation showed that Perry had received medical treatment for HIV since at least 2009, according to Detective Kelvin Wiles of Metro Police Sex Crimes Unit. 
the victim discovered a series of private messages on Perry's Facebook account that revealed he had sex with as many as 19 women in the last two years, authorities said. Perry's lawyer, Bobby Bellinger, said Perry apologized to the victim during the sentencing hearing. He was remorseful and apologetic at the sentence hearing. Sentence hearing. He got sentenced and he is doing his time, Bellinger said. Okay, so this is a lot. Um, apparently this man has had HIV since 2003. There's another one of his victims who he infected in 2023 and her name is Marvelyn Brown. And she was unable to, she could testify, but her case is out of the statute of limitations because it happened so long. But she is really, really urging people. And it's so sad. Her story is very sad because she contracted it from him when she was 19 back in 2003. And I'm going to insert a clip so you can hear her story. It's very, very touching. So let's go ahead and listen to her story. Who was eight months pregnant at this time? 
And I was actually supposed to be the godmother of the child that she was carrying. And I said, I made sure I be positive. And she told me that she didn't want me to be the child's godmother. And she hung up the phone in my face. So I went on and I called my sister, who was at work and was very nervous. Then I called my aunt and then my mother. And once I got to my mother, she told me, do not tell anyone else anything. And if they truly want to know what's wrong with you, just tell them you had cancer. I didn't have to tell anyone anything else about me. Because the day I found out I was HIV positive, my community of Nashville, Tennessee, found out I was positive as well. My story just started to spread. People were coming up to my hospital, just having to get a look and just to see if it was actually true of me having HIV. At this time, I still didn't know anything more than what I knew about HIV at first, which was absolutely nothing. Growing up, when I heard of HIV, I always heard STDs separately, so it never dawned on me that I could contract the virus sexually, because it was always STDs and HIV, and then you heard about hepatitis, and I'm thinking, well, if HIV was the STD, it would be in the same bracket as gonorrhea, chlamydia, and herpes, and all these things, and it wasn't true. So at this time, everyone was wondering, well, where did she get HIV from? And it was one day, I was supposed to go to work, and I decided not to go to work. I went to the park instead, and while I was in the park, I seen this guy, and he was really cute. And I just, you know, started looking, really didn't think too much more about it, until I seen him looking back. And I decided, well, I may have a chance with this person. So we began talking and exchanged numbers, and we started a relationship. He was 23 years old at the time, and I was only 19. He had his own place, his own car, he had a few jobs. I used to tell my friends about him, and they used to be like, oh, I'm kind of jealous, and you know, like all this other stuff. So I really thought, you know, I was doing something. So it became one night. We were ready to have sex, and he told me he didn't have a condom. At this time, I began thinking. He knew that I wasn't on birth control, so it meant he could see me as his baby mother. I felt special. When he told me he loved me, it means I loved myself even more just because he loved me. It made me just feel special and honored that he wanted to do all these things. So I proceeded to have sex with him without a condom. And it took me three weeks later to be in the hospital, sick with pneumonia. So I picked up the phone and I called him. And I let him know that I was HIV positive. And he told me that he was sorry. So once I got out of the hospital, I started living my life. Not necessarily living. I was basically waiting to die. I had given up hope on myself because I had experienced stigma already and I wasn't even positive for more than a week. I went back to school where I was forced to just drop out because every time I went somewhere, people would point and laugh and say, oh my God, that girl with HIV. I was scared to go around my family because when I was around them, I was forced to eat out paper plates, plastic silverware. I had to wash my clothes separately. No one really understood what HIV was. I was shunned out of my church. They didn't want me there because I was HIV positive and they always wanted to put fornication in the devil in the same sentence that they put HIV in. So at this time, I started living in my car. 
I was homeless. I didn't know where to go, you know, who to turn. I just waited to die. I even went to Walmart and I said, I'm going to take a obituary picture because if I'm going to die, I want the cover of my obituary to look good. So I went and I, and I took the picture. And one day when I was driving home in my car, my home was the Walmart parking lot, by the way. As I was driving home, I looked up and I seen brake lights. And once I seen these brake lights, I barely jerked the wheel to the left. And I remember losing control of the car. And the car spins across four lanes of traffic. And it turned completely around and it faced the oncoming traffic. A tractor trailer was heading my way full speed. And I seen the tractor trailer hit its brake and smoke start coming up on, on both sides. And I just looked and I was just like, oh man, I'm about to die. So I just closed my eyes and when I opened them, the tractor trailer was inches away from the front of my car. And I was just like, wow. At that moment, it didn't even dawn on me that I had almost died and it had absolutely nothing to do with HIV. I didn't realize it until I got home, and I realized how much time, at this time it had been six months, me living with HIV, looking in the mirror, waiting to die, facing stigma, like all these things, it just couldn't, it just, it just didn't settle, and so I realized that I had wasted too much time out of my life, that, that, that I was still somebody with or without HIV. So I wanted to get myself together. So I went out and I got me a job, which eventually let me have a place of my own. And I started speaking out about HIV and AIDS. I decided to put my story in the, in the Tennessee and spread my message. At this time, I didn't want anything big to come out of it. I just wanted to let the people know and my national community that it was real because I hadn't owned up to it at this point. If I seen somebody and they said, oh, I heard you have HIV, I didn't accept it. I was just like, oh, then I don't know what they're talking about. I, I didn't own it. So I said, I'm going to put it in the paper and I'm going to show people that this is true and that this happened to me and that it can happen to them. And so at this time, when I put it in there, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And I received getting letters and, and, and phone calls from people who were living with HIV in Tennessee and for that matter all over the, all over the country because news had broke that someone my age, I was 20 years old at the time, who, who came out and started sharing their story. So from that moment, things just started happening and I became an HIV activist. It was something that I found comfort in doing. And when I always come out and share my story, I try to leave people with three very important messages. I always tell them to get tested because I never would have gotten tested for HIV. When I found out I was positive, the thing that shocked me the most was that the H and HIV stood for human. I thought it stood for heroin users, homosexual, just anything I wasn't. And that shocked me. And so I never would have gotten tested. I was, I was better than HIV. It was too much stuff going on in my life that I was not concerned about that. I wasn't concerned. So I tell people to get tested because now I've been living with HIV for five years. And the most scary part about it would be not knowing that I was HIV positive. Because in this case, it's better to know your status 
than not to know. Not only about the people I would have infected, but the virus would have multiplied in my body to the point I probably would have found out when I had full-blown AIDS. And I always tell people to be responsible. And the reason why I tell people to be responsible is because what if I tell you that the guy who infected me, the reason why he told me he was sorry is because he knew he had it when he gave it to me. It still didn't change the simple fact that I had a choice. I was not raped. I chose to get HIV. They talked about HIV being a preventable disease. I made a choice that now I have to live with the rest of my life. And I had a choice, so I have to live with that. I have to live with the choices that I made. And looking back on it, I don't like to admit it, but my self-esteem was shocked. I didn't have any self-love. Because if I had so much self-love, why did I give him the power to decide my future and my life? Why didn't I have more control over the situation? I didn't love myself. And I always tell people to get educated. Because the girl who I was supposed to be the godmother of her child, she couldn't see that we both had sex. She had sex and got pregnant. I had sex and got HIV. Our roles could have easily been reversed, or easily one of us could have got both. Because people do find out they're HIV positive and pregnant, HIV positive and hepatitis. Just because you have HIV or one or the other, don't, it doesn't eliminate you from anything else. And nowadays, I live a normal, regular life. I have a boyfriend. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I see uh, marriage keep in my future. I have an autobiography coming out. I just won an Emmy. I have done a lot, and I'm very happy that HIV has been my teacher. It really has. HIV has taught me self-love and self-respect, but HIV doesn't have to be your teacher. My life is great, but I'm telling you HIV is the disease that you don't want. You, you don't want it. Every day I take eight horse pills that make me sick to my stomach. I experience everything from vomiting, diarrhea, and nausea. They make me sick. And even though the medicines are pretty bad, the worst thing about having HIV is the stigma that I face on a day-to-day -day basis, even to today. From people, from people who don't believe that HIV can happen to them, that HIV is a joke. HIV is very, very real. And I'm here to tell you that if it happens to me, it can happen to you. But if you do have HIV, doesn't mean that your life cannot go on. Okay, so that was such a touching, touching, sad story. I feel so bad for her. That young lady has been through so much. Oh my goodness. Such a strong young lady. So, so very strong. The part about this case that really is getting to a lot of people is because this man, he knowingly infected people, knowing he had it. 
He knew he had it and he could have prevented all of this by taking his medication and using other forms of protection. Um, it's sad for people. It's sad to know, but a lot of people out here, they are very reckless with other people's lives. And that's why we all have to be accountable. This could have been any one of us. There is not one of us who has not had, who is sexually active, who has not at one point in time or another had unprotected sex. All it takes is one time. And lucky that if you don't have it, that you have not ran across somebody who has it and just doesn't care because there's so many people out there like that. But then what really bothers me is there are 19 other confirmed cases of women he's been with who will not come forward. And this is not, I'm sure since 2013 up until 2020, I'm sure there are dozens more women that have been affected by this man. And it's just sad because these women, they're fearing the stigma of having a of discrimination against it and having to lose their jobs. And a lot of them, they just don't want to be in the forefront. They want to live their private lives. They don't want to be an advocate. They don't want to disturb what they have going on, which I get it. Nobody wants to, you know, but if you can, if there's some way you can come forward and be anonymous, just so this man can be put behind bars as long as possible, because He's a killer, period, point blank. He's just a killer without a gun. His pain is his gun, basically. Um, because he has HIV, I'm not saying that it's a death sentence, but he, you don't know how people's immune systems are going to act to this stuff. Some people contract it and it will turn into full-blown AIDS. So you got to be real careful about this. But that's everything about that. I wanted to talk about it because it just really bothered me and it bothered me that so many women out here, and men too, I'm not going to say that we're the only ones, but any victim, period, men or women, it just bothers me that the men or the women who contract this from another person, they feel like they're guilty and something's wrong with them, but they're actually the victims in all of this. So shout out to the victims who have been coping with it. Hopefully you'll have the courage to come out and speak up and say something, something, give a statement. So this guy could be given more. He deserves way more than six years. He's been spreading it for more than six years. He's been spreading this since 2003. Perhaps he should get a year for every year he was going around spreading it. But <laughs> with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. You guys are more than welcome to leave me a message link, a voice message link, if um, message on my link. If you want, you have anything you'd like to add, comment, I can put it into another for, uh, podcast where we can discuss that, go back and forth or what have you. Oh my goodness. I want you guys to comment down below. Let me know what you think of the comments and hope everyone has a wonderful evening. Talk to you later.